Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go, episode number 33 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Now, back again, your favorite hosts, Jace, Max, and Peter, myself. Gentlemen, what an incredible week of March Madness we've just had in honor of the incredible Duke-UNC Final Four meeting. I want to know, what's your favorite potential playoff meeting? Two franchises, two college teams, what's the best rivalry to experience in the playoffs? I really don't think it can get much better than Duke UNC. I, I know we've never experienced it before, but it's just a historic rivalry. Like when you think of historic college basketball, you think of Duke UNC. I really don't. I would love to hear your guys' answers of what comes up next in mind, but for me, it's Duke UNC, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I, it's a perfect uh, matchup, I think. So I've been a Kentucky fan my whole life, got to watch them exit in the first round. Uh, for me, if uh, Kentucky and Louisville were ever to be able to Ooh. meet in the final four or something like that, that would be, I mean, people would probably Rick die. Rick Louisville? Rick Patina. Yes. I want the best Louisville. <laughs> you know, I want the best version of them. And uh, I think that would be pretty legendary, but what we have on the slate, I mean, two legendary teams, both wearing blue. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. For me, um, this is kind of going to be a segue into the show a rivalry that's kind of like been dormant for years and years and years. The Jets and the Dolphins hated each other in the 70s, mm-hmm. 80s, and 90s, and it's kind of laid dormant over the last couple of years. I'd love an AFC championship game between the Jets and the Dolphins, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a particular player that has reignited that rivalry between the fans. People are going <laughs> at each other's throats, and if you're listening now, I'm sure you, sure you know by now, but we'll talk about that specific player later in the episode. We have a great episode for all of you guys out there. But before we dive into that, it looks like Mr. Max has a question for the audience. Yeah, who are the Jets? I, who are the Jets? I was never. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Rub it in. Just just dig the knife just a little deeper. I'm, I'm, right, at the, I'm right at the edge. Who? All right. We have a great <laughs> show for you guys today. We're going to be doing our rookie quarterback and wide receiver rankings. Um, we have... Uh, a breakdown of where we find particular uh, rookies in their respective classes. Um, This upcoming draft class, not this previous draft class. Um, We have reports from around the realm back, and then we are finishing off with a brand new segment from our own Max Zoller. Max, what's the segment? Max's trade corner, man. I'm really excited. Uh, This is going to be kind of like intro 101 to the trades today. I'm going to keep it brief today, but we're going to break it down kind of in my mind, how I go through trades and kind of see my, uh, my madness behind the whole thing. So really looking forward to share that with you guys. As we know, Max uh, on the podcast, his, his colloquial nickname is the fantasy Godfather. His, uh, his kind of like nickname amongst our friend group, no deal happens without him knowing. So I can't imagine a better teacher to do a, a master class on, trades and particularly at this time of the year too. So Max has gone from worst to first back to worst and up to first and just loves trading and loves the art of the deal. So we're, we're really excited to hear from Max later. We have a great show for you. Um, but before we get into that, we have a little shout out from our sponsor, brand new sponsor to the podcast. So everybody clap hands. 
Brand new sponsor, Super Producer Nick C is clapping the hands in a circle. Let's go. Super Producer Nick C. Shout out Nick C for helping us get this one. SeatGeek is our new sponsor. Uh, We've recently become brand ambassadors for SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusing out of the buying tickets. They put a zero to 10 score on each ticket to let you know if it's a good or a bad deal. So green would be good, red would be bad, yellow's kind of in between deal, but there are green deals all throughout SeatGeek. It's personally, uh, and I'm going to go off script for a second, it's personally the app that I use when I go and look for NFL tickets. Um, Really easy to understand, great user interface. With our new partnership, users are going to get $20 off their first ticket purchase with our code DynastyPod, D-Y-N. A-S-T-Y-P-O-D, all uppercase, Dynasty Pod. Click the link in the description to download the app. And remember, it's the code Dynasty Pod, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y-P-O-D for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Yeah, I actually use SeatGeek um, on a daily basis. They're the official sponsor, uh, partner with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So whenever people come to the games and stuff like that, like I'm like, hey, what's your SeatGeek email? Super easy, super like convenient. You transfer them tickets. You can see when they accepted it. If they didn't, if they didn't accept it, you can cancel them. Like it's a really, really, really good app, and I'm I'm looking forward to this partnership for a long time to come. I got nothing more to add, but I use SeatGeek all the time. Not as much uh, now that I live in Arizona, and you know I don't buy many Diamondbacks tickets nowadays. It's not really good, worth watching that uh, minor league stuff, but. Uh, you know, when I start making it out to Cardinals games, SeatGeek is 100% going to be the app that I use. Um, in the past, they've just been my bread and butter for going to to get the right seats at the right price. So like all these guys have said, I, I couldn't be more excited to have them as an official sponsor of this podcast. And yeah, use our link to sign up. There's plenty of sports going on right now. NBA finishing up, got MLB starting back up. You know, if you're out here in Arizona right now, use it to get some spring training tickets. Yeah, it's it's a great app. Use our code. You might as well. Yeah, definitely. And again, that's Dynasty Pod D Y N A S T Y P O D to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. And again, for some of these NBA teams, that's courtside seats. So we're basically getting your courtside seats to some NBA games. <laughs> Just use Big our facts. code. All right. With that being said, we're gonna head into reports from around the room. All right. Dig into me. I can take it. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, I just I, – I, I still don't know who he was assigned. I know he went to Miami, but who was the other team? So reports from ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, among multiple others, that Mr. Tyree Kill, the cheetah himself, Max's top three player and friend of the program, we gave away his jersey. Tyree Kill has – requested a trade from Kansas city and was between the jets and the Miami dolphins, little rivalry going on there. Uh, AFC East old fashioned rivalry and Tyreek Hill um, broke our hearts and decided to go with Miami. There's nothing wrong with that man wanted to go get paid. And you know what? No state income tax. That man got paid, right? But it was his presser, his press conference that, uh, got a lot of Jets fans riled up and has reignited this this rivalry between the Jets and the Dolphins all over Twitter. Tyreek Hill basically said he's never heard of the Jets and XYZ. I won't get into specific details, but the Jets had an offer on Monday and was ta- we're talking to Drew Rosenhaus, Tyreek Hill's agent, and 
the plan was in place. Kansas City accepted the deal. But at the last minute, the Dolphins swooped in and uh, got their hometown boy back. But enough drama and enough Jets sadness. We're here to talk Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um, Tyreek Hill, previously probably a top four Dynasty wide receiver assets. Some would probably even have him in the top two, given his age and tie to Patrick Mahomes. I said some. I said some. Not all. I see a disapproving snarl from Max on the other side. But how are we feeling about Tyreek Hill moving to to a tug of Iloa? And the recent quote from head coach, Mr. Mike McDaniels, that they're going to use him in a Debo Samuel type role. That was what I was going to bring up, Peter. You stole stole my quote. But honestly, I think Kansas City got a haul for him. He's 27. They gave up five picks for him, a first rounder, second rounder. Um, third, I think they, they gave up a lot of picks for him and speed only lasts so long. I mean, we've seen guys fizzle out over time. Um, he's, he is what he is. I feel like because of Patrick Mahomes and I just don't think two is that guy that obviously is not Patrick Mahomes, but with Waddle, Gasecki, that offense, like there's really no excuses for Tua, but I'm kind of out on Tyreek Hill. From a professional aspect, looking at the roster that Kansas City has with Kelsey getting as old as he is, you know, they probably shouldn't have let him go. I know they got five picks, which is nice because you just, I mean, you can really deepen yourself up and give yourself some youth. But Tyreek Hill is, he is a non-replaceable asset in the NFL. That I mean, he just keeps defenses locked in and scared at, you know, just 24-7. But, you know, I do think – the, the knee-jerk reaction is probably that this is bad for Jalen Waddle, but the more I sit here, Tyreek Hill is going to make that team better. He's going to make Tua better. They're going to score more. They're going to score quicker. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle last year was just a PPR machine, manufactured touches. Uh, the touchdown slowly came along, but I think him and Tyreek playing off of each other, I think probably increases Waddle's uh, his touchdown count going into next year, I would think, just – I think they're going to be in the red zone more often. You're going to have to focus on Tyreek. Jalen Waddle's a freak. I think professionally Miami just made a fantastic investment. And like you said, it's all Tatua at this point. If he's going to fail now, he is going to be out of the league in no time. So um, the, all the pieces are there. And I, I'm really excited to see what Mr. McDaniel has, uh, you know, drawn up in the playbook for these guys because, I mean, on any given play, these either Waddle, Gesicki, or Hill could just take the ball to the house. So that team and Mostert, you know, he's dirt. I mean, I'm mixed up dirt cheap and old as hell. But uh, you know, he's old, dirt cheap in dynasty. He was dirt cheap in real football. But Raheem Mostert has got some gas, man. He's got wheels. He's been known for that his whole career. So this team is built for speed in a, in a league that is slowly morphing into that. So I'm really excited to see what the dolphins got this year. Well, look, I'm here and, and believe me, take everything that I say with a grain of salt, because I am still hurting from the, uh, the absolute kick in the balls that I received as a Jets fan. Um, But when I look at the Tyreek Hill situation, um, Max is a big preacher, uh, and you know this is Dynasty 101 of buying and selling windows. Um, and there's a dip in Tyree Kill's value here, and I don't know which side I land on, so I'm going to basically throw this to you guys. Let's say moving forward, I'm going to give you all the facts. He's a 28-year-old speed-dependent wide receiver that is, I believe, 5'10". Mm-hmm. Okay. Wide receivers in this league – 
usually fizzle out around the age of 30 with those elite guys pushing into 31, 32, 33. Given Tyreek's skill set and his new contract, it's unlikely that he is going to find elite years, elite years outside of Miami. So he signed a four-year, $120 million backloaded deal. So I believe that he'll last two years there, and then the Dolphins will realize they're paying a lot of this money to an old guy, and he'll go be a drifter for two or three seasons, find two or three different random teams, and be decent, not great, right? So you're relying on him to be elite for these next two seasons until he is 30 years old with that speed. Let's say the going price for him right now is a first round pick, a top six first round pick and a second X, Y, Z second, 23 second, 24 second. Are you paying that? And I just want both sides of the ball. And again, that's really cheap when you consider Tyree kills value a month ago, right? Yeah, it is really cheap. I, I honestly wouldn't pay that to be honest. I really think it depends on obviously your team context. Like if you're going out, you're winning a championship, Tyree Kill will get you that depth. You have 106 in a second. It's it's a decent trade for sure because I think 106 would get you a good player. Um, but I'm not paying that as a rebuilder or even as like a middle of the pack kind of guy. I don't really want to touch Tyree Kill with a 10 foot pole. Uh, to me, it's more sell the name. It's kind of, he's kind of like Nike to me. Um, you you know you're gonna get from him. And is he a Julio Jones candidate? I Julio the see the thing is with the older receivers like Julio and Larry Fitzgerald and like those guys, like they're big, good route runners that are just like strong. Tyree Kills is fast and small. Like no, I am just saying, like, is he like a guy like Julio where he got moved and then you just immediately ship? Hundred percent. I think um the second his value goes up, you're selling. Yeah, pro- most likely, like just to be safe. That's probably the safest thing to do. You know, it's Tua throwing him the ball. Waddle's going to get his touches manufactured. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense, and it's a Mike McDaniel system coming over from the 49ers that is going to want to run the rock. No matter how bad that line is, um, they are going to want to run the ball. So I think, you know, as a competitor right now, I'm just holding just because, you know, first and a second, I think if Tyreek has a couple – as three, four good games to start things off, you can probably get two firsts out of them from the right person. But for now – yeah, I don't know. A first and a second, I'm probably not selling just because of what I just said. But um, acquiring him, if I'm a competitor, yeah, that uh, I think that's something I'd be be willing to pay. I do think, you know, he's getting older, but the speed last year we weren't shown anything to show that he was in decline. Um, so I do think he's probably got two years left unless he blows out an ACL or a major injury. Then it's like, yo, get what you can because once that speed's gone, Tyreek is probably gone. Um, but I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to what you the the Jets, man. I don't think you should feel so bad. I think, you know, we're talking about dynasty right now for a rebuilder like the Jets. I think acquiring a twenty eight year old speedster is a bad idea. Just, uh, you know, if they could, I know they've been hunting for AJ Brown. If you could acquire someone like that, or if you could get a Drake London, I think yeah. that's the better move for their franchise. I think. <laughs> I mean, looking at their team, if. That if we were in a fantasy league in the NFL, the Jets right now have a damn good rebuilder squad right now with Elijah yeah, Moore and man. Wilson and Michael Carter. And, um, you know, I w- was hoping they were going to get Trey McBride line. just like you, but the offensive Ooh. line, the defense, like they got a lot of young pieces and they've been projected a lot of young studs in the draft too. So 
I, I think Tyreek, he just wouldn't have been a – we were talking about the misfit toys not too long ago. He would have been a misfit on, on the, the Giants – I mean, the Jets, excuse me. Shit, I don't even know who they are. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that last little little piece. Um, <laughs> no, uh, and, and we're, we're getting a little bit off topic, but let me, let me gush about my Jets. They are going to put their chips in for either Debo Samuel or A.J. Brown because both of these guys, or DK Metcalf, uh, one of those three receivers. So it's either going to be one of those three guys or they're going to draft a receiver. I highly doubt that they end up drafting a receiver. Uh, there's just so many more needs, and they have the cap space to go pay a guy who's on the last year of his deal. So if you are a holder of those guys and you know want to run away from Zach Wilson or want to run away from New York, go try to get proven value in a guy that maybe is a little bit more young. So like if you have AJ Brown, try to go get Jamar chase, AJ Brown and like X for Jamar chase. Yeah. Go something get T. Like Higgins that. plus T Higgins in two seconds or something. Exactly. Be phenomenal. Exactly. Uh, just if you're scared, I'm just saying if you're scared because the jets are going to do something at wide receiver. Um, that's believe me from all the press conferences that I've seen in the beats, they will do something. And if um, they do super flex Zach Wilson, you better, get yourself, you better get your yourself some shares right now before that happens because it's going to be just like Tua. He's going to have all those weapons and it's no excuses. Be up to him. Exactly. All right. Uh, moving on. Excited or not, MBS to Kansas City. Three year, 30 million. Overpaid uh, and not excited. Overpaid and not excited, Jace. Do we get a J? Can uh, I get a J? Yeah, you can get a J. I'll give you the J. J, Max. A, A. G. Terrible, yeah. man. Just $30 million. Dollars. I'd rather pay whatever his name is, Christian Kirk, the money. <laughs> um, something I will say about Kansas City, um, there's the receiver draft this year is extremely talented, um, and it's not really front-loaded like we've seen uh, last year or the year prior even. Um, so Kansas City has two late picks they could even move up further if they want one of those wide receivers. So if your rookie draft is pre-NFL um, draft, if your rookie draft is pre-NFL draft, take some shots on guys like Christian Watson, Jamison Williams, because you never know with the Packers in Kansas City as well. And we'll get into that later. Absolutely. Um, Ronald Jones, Rojo, one year, $5 million with Kansas City. No. Anybody, anybody, this is like, uh, I'll be like a, like one of those bitter guys that speaks fast. No, we got Ronald Jones, one million, five, one year, five million, five million, five million. Can I get him five? Uh, no, I, I let that clock run out. I think he's, uh, he's terrible. I think he might be better than Clyde, honestly. I mean, Clyde's, Clyde's been a pretty bad uh, take here. Um, but in PPR leagues, I think Clyde gets a little boost. I think Clyde gets some nice pass catching going. A lot of vacated targets with Hill. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking as well. I kind of want to see what else they do there. I don't know if they're still in talks with Jarek McKinnon or Darrell Williams, but if one of those guys gets re-signed too, Clyde is dead. Go get whatever you possibly can, even if it's 206, I'd probably take it. Like uh, Clyde, Rojo, Max, I totally agree with you. I think he's the better running back. He's been in the league for a long time. I think he's only like two years older than Clyde at this point. Like Rojo, uh, I believe in his career is like around four and a half yards per carry or something. Like he has got juice in between the tackles. Like um, Kansas City's you know, got a good lower line too. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, if one of these guys gets hurt, Rojo, Clyde, or if they re-sign some, I think one of these guys could fall into some nice work. But I don't know. I think this has turned into a complete committee at this point where Rojo is going to be in between the tackles and Clyde's going to come in on second, third down to catch passes. And even at that, I don't – Mahomes just doesn't like to check or check it down. Maybe he will moving forward without Tyreek Hill, but – I'm, I don't know. They got Juju, they got Kelsey, they got Speed and McColl and uh, MVS. So I don't know how much is going to change for Mr. Ceh. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I just, I just really don't care about Ronald Jones. And again, you know, he'll probably have one week where he goes for 25 and Clyde's hurt and everybody buzzes. Like a lot of us outside of the fantasy season talk about like these guys, like they will never be fantasy relevant. These guys will be fantasy relevant. Oh yeah. At some point like the most fantasy irrelevant person, Godel Beckham. Mm-hmm. You could have bought him for probably a third round pick last year at some points. Totally. Right. Totally. And he becomes fantasy relevant. And again, hand up. I'm sorry. My hatred for him. Right. Nixie just threw in here. Good round 19 pick for underdog fantasy. If any best ball league you're in Ronald Jones, is such a good option because he is truly like one of those most guys that, can be on the two yard line and take it 98 to the other end zone. Like he has got the burst. It's just from a fantasy perspective, normal non best ball league. None of these guys are going to get the work necessary to find their way into your starting lineup. Yeah. So, but great point, Nick, great Here. best ball options. Question. Does a Kansas city running back find their way into a top 24 season? Hmm. No. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with no as well. I'll, I'll say yes. I think Clyde finishes 22. Okay. You okay. Buy, you buy um, for me? On the back of catches, you think? On the back of touchdowns. Ooh. Getting lucky with some touchdowns. What would you pay for him? Uh, I'd pay first still. He's still a starting running back on a like, – like 111, 110. Yeah. yeah. I think – I mean, if you were looking at this year's draft, I mean, the draft hasn't, the real NFL draft hasn't happened yet, but when I'm doing these rookie mocks right now after, you know, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, and Brees Hall go off the board, I, I really don't care about the running backs after that. So, yeah. you know, if Clyde were in the draft class, he'd probably go about right there. So that makes, that makes sense. All right. With that being said, we are going to go into our rookie quarterback and wide receiver rankings as well as, them just being a rankings, you know, one to six or one to 12, we are going to be tiering them as well. Um, I believe our quarterbacks have two tiers and then our wide receivers are going to have three tiers. Yes, sir. Yep. Sounds about right to me. All right. Let's head into our rookie quarterback and wide receiver spotlight. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Started off with the quarterbacks. I mentioned at the Senior Bowl, Malik Willis 101 overall in Superflex. Um, and the Monarchs definitely agreed with me. He is our only consensus pick, I believe. Yep. He's the only consensus ranking uh, that all of us have. And he is the number one overall quarterback in your fantasy league. We're not NFL scouts. We're not here to talk about the impact on an NFL franchise. But we're saying... 6'1", 219, and he has, at some point this uh, past season, clocked in faster than Lamar Jackson. That's all I need to know. And had a rocket arm at his pro day. Yeah, that's really all you need to know. And if he goes to an explosive offense like 
I mean, I've seen him mocked many different places, but if he goes to somewhere with Seattle or it, really anywhere he goes, unless it's like Carolina, Carolina I could I could see him doing great in Carolina. Yeah, there's really not a bad place. Like wherever he, Atlanta. Wherever he wins, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely be. Atlanta's the bad place. If he makes it past eight. Yeah. Yeah. If he makes it past eight, we celebrate. And, you know, I'm not trying to gush over this guy, but, you know, he's very big, very strong, which is is something that's extremely important. He's not Lamar Jackson, like a twig, or Bryce Young, who's still at Alabama, who looks like a twig. He, he's very built, to, sitting at 219, 6'1". You know, we wish he had a couple extra inches in his height, but, you know, when you run like lightning as well, I think he is the surefire number one overall pick in Superflex Leagues, and I could honestly see him – sneaking early second early 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 second like oh one or oh two in uh in regular leagues not super flex leagues oh 100 totally i think he might even have to go on with a back end first starting at like 108 109 just you know from a professional standpoint like i don't i really don't think he has it to be honest uh i don't think he's going to be he's going to be putting up a cam newton type season when he was in his prime in carolina or anything like that I just personally don't see it like this class has been dumped on for so long and like the hype's getting now or getting us now. But for um, for fantasy, however, Malik Willis could 100,000% put up those Cam Newton seasons for fantasy. Um, like you said, Atlanta's the only spot I really don't want him to land just because it's Kyle Pitts and nobody else. So that is going to hurt what he can do in the passing game. But Carolina or, you know, one of these other spots like – if he's Detroit the at ball two. He, what's that? Detroit. If they Does Detroit him grab two, him at two? No, they should not. If they do, that is way too high. If you ask me, I I, I don't, don't know. Daniel I Jeremiah, he, the the most plugged in insider. It would not. It wouldn't shock me. But personally, I think that's too high. I think that would be rookie fever from an NFL yeah. sense. I think they could uh, trade back and just get him at ten. Yeah, that's what I think. Or too. even I think seven. Be, I heard they're looking at trading back. They should. If they want I heard the him, Texans are looking trade to trade back. back too. I think the Jets might be trying to move up because they want one of those edge rushers really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I heard I they're getting know. Kyle Hamilton at at one ten. Sure, no, I'll do that. Kyle, Kyle Ooh, Hamilton. No, no, and then no. They're uh, they're trading one ten, and they're both their seconds for DK. I heard. Listen, the people don't want to hear Jets talk. True. Believe me, I'll, I'll host my own podcast and just rant about the Jets all day long. You, you know, <laughs> you won't even have to pay me for that one. For sure. Yeah, no, I think just in fantasy land, this dude, the rushing upside, it's all there. And I think we talked about tiers. I think Malik is in a tier of his own. Uh, and I think the rest of these quarterbacks, uh, I'm decently excited about a couple of them. They present some good upside. And I think Kenny Pickett presents a good amount of stability. If things go right, he lands in the right spot. But Malik, if he hits, he will just be worlds above any of these other guys if they hit. So um, he's yeah. tier number one, 101 in Superflex. Peter, you said it months ago, but I'm here to reiterate it again. He's just the uh, the draft day. Draft day. I said that to myself. No yeah. matter how his draft <laughs> process goes. Yes. I, ha- I had I had the little the little note. I said Malik Willis 101 in Superflex, no matter what. Absolutely. Yes. He could have went yeah. out in his pro day and not thrown a ball. He threw, could have thrown the ball sideways. Like he <laughs> still would have been the one. You wouldn't have taken him 101. Um, no, but on a serious note, Malik Willis, yeah, 
I do personally believe, and, and Jace does, and I, I'm sure Max does. We talked about this before the episode and for months now. He's in a tier of his own. Um, Kenny Pickett and the rest of the uh, the gang, sorry, Nick C., Super producer Nick C, Desmond Ritter, all those guys—they're uh, in—they're in their own little uh, Island of Misfit Toys tier. So, absolutely. Getting into the second tier uh, of quarterback, we have our consensus ranking of Kenny Pickett as the number two overall quarterback. Yeah, I think it really just comes down to landing spot and the weapons he has around him. I think, given the talent, given the opportunity, and a good landing spot—I mean, if you landed in like Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, there you go. He stays P-I-X, home. The PIX. I think he could be pretty solid. So I don't really care about his hand size. I think he's. A, I do. I do. I, Sorry. I Daniel Jones 2.0. Daniel Jones. Yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow 2.0. Joe Burrow was the one getting hated on for his hand size. Dude, yeah. Like, yeah. But that's Joe Cool. But that's Joe Cool. <laughs> What's the difference? Look, Kenny Pickett. Can pick? Yeah, Joe Burrow had the statistical greatest college season of all time. That's why, actually, no, that got broken this year by Bailey Zappi. But okay, the second greatest statistical college season of all time, beating Alabama and winning the national championship. That's why. And Can Kenny Pickett it? was a glorified, uh, like glorified high school quarterback. And no. look, Kenny Pickett is a Jersey guy. I want to root for him, but I, I, I just don't think he's got it like that. No, they Kenny Pickett was so good that they had to make a rule to stop him from fake sliding. That's how good he was. Oh. And I think that's now I know Max is just messing with me. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so we have Kenny Pickett as our consensus number two overall, even though only one of us put him at number two. Number three overall uh, on our consensus ranking is Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Listen, he, he did it in the SEC. He did it against the great, the great defenses uh, that the SEC has to offer. While he, does, he is coming off that injury, um, we've seen the talent. We've seen the talent. He's uh, 6'2", 212 uh, coming out of Ole Miss and probably will might slip into the early second, but I still think he'll be a first-rounder. All these teams will get quarterback fever. Wow. I don't know. I, I like you said, the injury is the big thing there. If he comes back healthy, he definitely has the talent and the skill set. But I'm waiting to see where he goes personally. A, I get it before the draft. He's a forearm tattoo guy on his throwing hand. A lot of people are scared about that. That is pretty bad. What's <laughs> worse? What's worse? Tiny hands or forearm tattoo? <laughs> forearm tattoo. Ooh, Derek Carr's got a forearm tattoo. DC's the GOAT. I've never even seen Derek Carr's forearm tattoo, to be honest. So what, what is it? It's a uh, old Christian, uh, old Catholic symbol um, Ooh, of okay. like a parish. I think I could oh. be wrong. Catholic schooling might be uh, might be failing so me at this moment. Yeah, right up there. Okay, yeah. yeah. For those who can't see, I was pointing to the inside of my forearm. There, yeah. I have not. I've never really taken notice of it. So maybe, you know, maybe the small hands are worse if you can hide it. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I like what you had to say. He was in the SEC, really tough conference. If anyone, if you're going to produce and produce in that conference, you got yourself a good shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the one thing I really like about him, his last two seasons, he had 112 rushing attempts, and then his final season uh, as a redshirt junior had 152 rushing attempts. So if he's going to be running the ball once he gets into the pros, like – I'm game for that. Um, I, you know, the arm talent is to be decided. I think he's got good skills for college football, but we'll see what happens in the NFL. 
uh, I don't know. I kind of talked to these guys, uh, Peter and Max and Nixie pre-podcasts and, you know, it's Malik Willis and the rest of the guys are pretty much like, I'll just take any one of them. It's a coin flip, honestly. So um, I, I don't feel too strongly about Kenny Pickett. I don't feel too strongly um, about our, uh, about our boy, Matt Corral. I don't, I don't feel very strongly about any of these guys. So yeah. Um, yeah. Other than Malik Willis, these guys are just flyers to me. I don't see a whole lot of open positions anyway. So yeah. Uh, Not trying to do a victory lap right now, but I'll take one. Uh the pod the podcast will take one. Well, the podcast will take one. Uh back prior go. around week 12, week 12, week 13, we were screaming and begging people, take your 22 first and super flex, move them to 23. Delay your yes. gratification at quarterback. You just yes. know like this class is terrible. I think I literally said there's some guy from Liberty. It, like yeah, if, yeah. If somebody wants to go back and check the records. I was like, the top of this class is some guy from Liberty. Matt Corral and some guy with some stupid name in Carson Strong. He sounds like a made-up Madden character. <laughs> and I that's and to be honest, wasn't that far off. Malik Willis has really proved uh it's like Malik Willis and the gang, like Jay said. He's the uh he's the orchestra uh, like conductor and everybody else is just playing a part in this yeah, draft. Yeah. Absolutely. Like these guys like like we said earlier, Malik Willis would probably end up costing you a late first. The rest of these guys probably like mid to late seconds like i think everyone's Ooh, late like, no these are thirds yeah maybe maybe even thirds absolutely i, in I mean single I, quarterback in, in single, single quarterback yeah, in, in one quarterback that is in super flex these guys are going to get pushed up just because but even then if i'm in a super flex draft and burks and wilson and all oh, these yeah. young stud wide no chance around, no chance i'm grabbing these guys absolutely like i mean the, most of these guys i guarantee will probably end up as just you know, best case scenario, they'll probably end up as low-end starters that you don't want to start in fantasy, or they'll be backups that'll hit your waivers, Here. and they'll just be solid professional backups. One question, then we'll move on. One question. Jamison Williams, and this is in Superflex, Jamison Williams, mm-hmm. or Kenny Pickett? Whew. I'll take Williams yeah. every day of the week and twice on Sunday. If- I'll take, I'll take Jamison, too. If Pickett landed in Pittsburgh, I would take Pickett just That's because fair. I think he would have himself a pretty good shot to start right away, if not the next season, and he's got hella weapons. But if he landed in, like, Carolina or Atlanta or some other bum squad, just give me the wide receiver. Give me Jameson for sure. All right, moving on to number four, Soup. Bear Producers, Nixie's classmate, Mr. Desmond Ritter, University of Cincinnati. <laughs> Did you ever have a class with Mr. Ritter? I wish I did, man. I really wish I did. What about Sauce? Did you have a class with Sauce? No. no. I think we were in some different classes. I can't Alec lie. Pierce? Nope. I wish I could say, because I would be uh, probably that dude taking Snapchat pictures with them or something <laughs> corny like that. So, And this is nothing against you. I would get bullied into it, too. I'd probably end up doing their homework for them. If I was in class with them, I'd be the guy. I'd be like, oh my God. No, they want to yeah. pass, Peter. They don't, they don't want to fail. Oh, funny guy. <laughs> there it is. But uh, um, but our number four quarterback is Desmond Ritter sitting at 6'3, 211. He did run the 40 yard dash at the combine uh to an outstanding 452 for a quarterback uh of his size at 6'3. Um Jason, I both have him as the quarterback four, but Max has him as the quarterback two. 
in this class. Max, let's hear why. The rushing upside, man. I mean, you're, a lot of these leagues are four-point touchdown, four-point passing touchdown, six-point rushing touchdown. I mean, his speed is insane. I think if he goes into an offense, like he reminds me of Kaepernick. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. Um, but I mean, Dude, fantasy he, football cap was great. Like, yeah, and great. again, Kaepernick in his prime. This podcast and, tries to leave politics out the window, you know, but fantasy football wise, he was incredible. You put him in a good offense. Like, I'm trying to think of like the perfect offense for him, but I, I really like he's like a Kaepernick Mariota kind of mixed for me. So I, I like can see the Mariota Mar- comparison. I, I really, I really like the, the Kaepernick comp. Like when I watch Cap, like I saw some clips of Kaepernick trying out for a team the other day. Cap's throwing motion is not great. Like when he, when he throws the ball, the eye test is not great. Ritter, I can kind of say the same thing, but when those two get out in the open field and start making people miss, that's something that draws your eyes to the screen. So that's a big uh, man running. That's a big man running. Yeah, it's a big athletic man run, uh, running. I think best case scenario for him is to end up in a situation like Lamar where it's a run-heavy scheme where he's going to be able to play off a of play action, hit open wide receivers, and then if it's not there, just take off and run. Um, so I think if he – shoot, I was – I know, think like Trey the perfect Lance landing the 49 spot. System, like Trey Lance in the 49er system I think is a perfect marriage for fantasy, just him running the – snot out of the ball but uh who, who do you got i'm trying i'm struggling to think of someone somewhere like that they will not uh, the tennessee titans will not let ryan Tannehill finish Ooh. that contract i think that would be a great landing spot for him dude just, that would be nice that would probably suck for aj brown uh long term if you were still stuck there i think that's his I, best landing spot wait a year or maybe even two yeah and then, and then play totally give, yeah give me detroit man Oof. yeah hey i mean detroit they got Detroit is a weird. They're building man. the trenches they, up there, man. Yeah, yeah. I think Detroit. They're <laughs> for as bad as they were last year. They got lots of weapons and weapons that were interested in fantasy. So, yeah, I think he would be a great spot for Detroit because he has options to pass it, and if not, like he can be a weapon and take off and run. So, yeah, I, I would like Detroit, and um, I like Tennessee, man. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee. I think. I do really love Ryan Tannehill. I think he got away with a lot of high efficiency for a few years, but I do think he's at the end of the day, he's been running that system for a handful of years to taking them to the playoffs old man. A years. Old man Tannehill. Isn't he like yeah, 34? Old, yeah. I mean, dude, with the way these guys are playing nowadays, Tom's playing at 45 and Rogers 44. Like these are outliers. These guys are outliers. Yeah. I, yeah, that is true. But I just think that that's, you know, he's never had serious injuries. He doesn't run a whole lot. He runs efficiently. I, uh, I do think him backing up Tannehill would be a great situation. He would learn a lot from a very cerebral player. At, at least I believe Brian Tannehill is. And in the run heavy scheme playing off of Derrick Henry, that would be uh, very nice. Yeah. Um, and the last two, I feel like we should just combine them. These guys, um, one of them is completely irrelevant and undraftable, in my opinion, completely undraftable. And the other one's name is Carson Strong. Uh, so Sam Howell, uh, six foot one out of UNC, 218, reminds me too much of Baker Mayfield. Enough said. Carson Strong out of Nevada, six foot three, uh, 226. He's got a cannon of an arm, but is a little bit slower. Um, and I don't think either of those guys find starting jobs. Yeah. 
kind of like a Kellen Mond type of thing for me. People, Ian Book. Ian Book, yeah. I'm, I'm out on both of them. I, I don't think we even need to waste our time. Yeah, the Carson Strong, big guy, I think he'd be a good, pretty decent pocket pass for a team that's tanking. Might be all right. Like Atlanta, that'd be a fine fit for him, I think. He could stand there and take hits and chuck the ball to uh, Kyle Pitts. But, um, yeah, the one thing I have to say about Sam Howell, at least he's coming out as a junior, a true junior. He didn't even get to play a senior season. He's coming out for the draft. That is like that, – that's what you like to see um, in, you know, college prospects. But other than that, <laughs> I think he's a bum. Uh, he, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if Sam Howe's family listens. As you know, I am not the biggest Baker and Mayfield fan, and that is not due to my affinity to Colin Coward. It's I, I just I just don't like Baker, and I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's undersized. I think he has a good arm, but it's just too much. And there there's so many other insanely better options in the NFL, and the Browns fans can now agree with me. And Sam Howell just reminds me as a worse Baker Mayfield. And, and if Baker Mayfield's not good enough to start in the NFL for just about any team these days, I think there's one team that's into him. Then I, I don't think, I don't think anything is worth it there. All right. Moving into fantasy wide receivers. Uh, we have some top 16 wide receivers here for today's episode. We're just going to be discussing our top six. These are the first round guys. Um, in a future episode, we will be releasing sleepers. Um, it'll be a little bonus episode coming up, most likely to release either Saturday or Sunday. Just a little weekend treat to hold you over. Um, but we're just going to be talking about our top six guys and the guys that will most likely find their way into the first round, potentially even be number one overall. First off, number one, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State University, our consensus ranking uh, at number one. I have him at one, Max has him at two, and Jace has him at two. But he is our consensus number one. Six foot, 183, ran a 4.3840. And again, I think I talked about it on last week's episode, the silkiest of all route runners in the draft. Absolutely. His route running is absolutely insane. Um, I can't wait for the NFL draft. Peter, I know I might not be there with you. Might be there with Uh, you, I'll leave you on the edge of your seat there, but uh, uh, the surprise when I open the uh, hotel room with uh, all the buddies and you're just going to be waiting for me sitting in bed. That's right. But I think that a lot of these wide receivers, like when they, when green Bay takes a wide receiver, when Kansas city takes a wide receiver, they are going to move up the draft board. And just like, let's say green Bay takes like Johan docks in the first round or something. It doesn't mean that he's like the best wide receiver. We've seen Rager. We've seen all that happen. So like Garrett Wilson passes the eye test for me. He's got the speed. He's got the route running. He's got the, the height. Like he's a very good player. So wherever he lands, I'm very comfortable taking him. I feel the same exact way. Burks, London, and Wilson are in a tier of their own to me. And Wilson, I think, is the safest prospect in this class. He reminds me a lot of DJ Moore mixed with a little bit of Curtis Samuel is kind of what he gives me. Um, just a freak athlete. Tokyo Drift, our boy. Tokyo, go, go, Tokyo. Go, go, Tokyo. Broke out junior year season, um, 70 catches for 1,058 yards and 12 tutties. Uh, My man is a freak of nature. He's probably the safest guy in the draft. So if people have them at the 101 or him as the 101 or number one ranked wide receiver, I have 
no quarrels whatsoever. He's not my personal number one, but I do believe he is the absolute safest surefire wide receiver in this class. Yeah, I, I have nothing else to add. Uh, I've gushed over him for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I doubt he falls to 10. There, there's conversation. 10 is his ten is his ceiling or floor, or however you want to describe it. That's the latest he will go. Uh, some have him mocked as early as six. Some have him mocked as late as 10, but he will go in that range. Some team will trade up for him if he does not go, uh, not go there. Number two in our consensus rankings, Mr. Drake London, Drake London out of university of Southern California, six foot four, two nineteen. did not run a 40 time this year due to his injury. Uh, he broke his ankle, uh, and it was just a freak injury, not a, just, you know, some guy just landed on his ankle wrong. Max is number one wide receiver. My number two and Jace's number three. One, two, three, baby. I, I love this guy. I, I mean, if he goes, are you going to love him up? when, are you going to love him when he wears Kelly green and has Jalen hurts throwing him the ball? No, I wouldn't it, it, landing spots big, but I love his talent. I love his height. Um, to me, he reminds me just like of a DK Metcalf type of thing, uh, type of build. So I'm, ah, I'm, don't say that. I love DK. I love DK. <laughs> You're going to love DK here in a few days when he's a jet. Um, but I, I think Drake London for me, he passes the eye test as well. Like we talked about these guys, their top three are in a class of their own to me. And um, I, I, Drake London, I think is the best wide receiver in this class. Yeah. Drake London was my first love this off season. I remember talking to you guys. I was on a trip to Colorado when that happened. I was absolutely in love with Drake London. Jason, I was one of our first bonding moments, one of our first true bonding moments on the pod. (laughs) It sure was man. And you know, he, you compared him to DK. I kind of think he's like a Mike Evans type. He's player. Mike Evans 2.0. That's kind of what I'm feeling. And, uh, you know, if he lands on the Jets or one of these spots, all the all three of these guys in the tier, Burks, Wilson, and London, I'm drafting these guys at the very tip top, no matter what. I think even if he lands with the Eagles or whatever, I don't know. Midnight Green. Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Mr. London, though, you you are taking a bit of a risk for him just because of the way he profiles as a 50-50 ball guy. Peter, you brought that up a lot. But eight games his junior season, 88 catches, 1,084 yards, and seven touchdowns in eight games. I also want it to be known he won, SEC, uh, he won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year by playing eight games. It's unbelievable. I mean, this dude – if he comes back from this injury healthy, I don't care what situation he lands in. He's worth one of your top three, top four picks in rookie drafts. I think he's going to find his way through. Yeah. Maybe it's a couple of years down the road until he finds the right quarterback matchup. But this dude has the absolute upside for like a 13, 14, 15 yeah. touchdown season with the way he profiles. Last thing we'll say on Drake London, again, six foot four, 219. Uh, did not run a 40 time. So that's the only mystery going into the draft. And that's probably the only thing plummeting his draft stock to those mid teens. Um, but the thing with Drake London, we, we always stress athleticism uh, on the podcast, you know, height and size, that's good for tackles. And obviously athleticism is, is loved and, and is wanted, but it's not necessary for some players for big, tall wide receivers you have to be athletic to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Denzel Mims 
And again, these guys are NFL players. They're 10 times more athletic than I will ever be in my entire life. So I don't want, you know, don't come in on Twitter and tell me, oh, you know, you sit on your butt and run numbers, Mr. Bean counter. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Right. But when you're talking about a 50-50 ball guy, Mike Evans is like the perfect example because he is insanely athletic on top of the size, on top of the size. Drake London was an all, I think, I didn't think, I don't think he was McDonald's all American. That might be too far, but I know he was like an all state player in basketball at California as well. There's videos of him doing like 360 behind the back dunks. When you see that athleticism, it kind of curbs the 50, 50 ball guy scaredness. So that's all I'll say. Last thing we'll say on Mr. Drake London at number three, we have, my number four, we have Max's number five, and Jace's number one wide receiver. I love the, the diversity it. here. Mr. Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Arkansas. Yes. Arkansas. Jace, kick us off. Yeah, Traylon Burks to me is, you know, I would be more worried about Drake London than Traylon Burks to me. Traylon's been the surefire number one wide receiver, unless you just need someone really safe. I do think Garrett Wilson is safer and you could convince me to take him number one overall over Burks. But as it pertains to this guy could be the number one wide receiver in fantasy trail on Burks is all of that. And some, this dude is absolutely humongous runs like the wind. Um, Yeah. You know, Hey, one day, one, one showcase ran a four, five, five for his, for his height uh, and size height adjusted speed. That's he's just fine. Um, the thing that I really love about Traylon is I would be scared, uh, poopless, if you will, if he were just a complete down the field, 50, 50 ball guy, but you know, uh, his junior season or excuse me, sophomore season, 80% of, uh, his routes were from the slot. Um, he's had uh, his next season, uh, junior season, I believe it was a 77% slot, right. Uh, slot route percentage. Um, and on top of that, he gets, you know, he was getting screens. He was getting rush attempts out of the backfield. He is just, uh, Debo Samuel on steroids. I mean, he's taller, he weighs more and they use him very similar. They used him very similarly at Arkansas on a very bad team in the sec, but he still absolutely dominated. I just want to read his junior year stats, uh, played 12 games, 66 66 catches, 1,104 yards, 11 touchdowns. That's just through the air. Uh, Rushing-wise, 14 attempts, 112 yards, and a touchdown. So I I just – for me, he's pretty bulletproof at this point just because of the way they used him in college. I think any team in the NFL that's going to be drafting him is probably going to use him very similarly. We just saw Debo have the year he had. The league is very much a copycat league. Um, And I I think – what Debo did, I think Traylon Burks could beat in the right situation um, and end up being the number one wide receiver in fantasy one year. So he's my number one overall. Wow. Um, I, I absolutely love him. Wow. That's that's tough to follow. I don't even know if I want to try. Um, it, it just – it's really – I just have Nick C's little picture that he sent us in chat of Traylon Burks compared to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and it's just it's stuck in my head. And I can't get it past. I really can't. So, Nixie, you've ruined him for me. Um, number five wide receiver for me. He's just too risky for me. He really is. So, Jace, you made a very compelling argument, and you make me want to trade all my picks to go out and get him. 
Um, but Nixie, you're you're in my head. Hey, watch watch the film of him cooking Alabama. That will make you teeter even farther towards Till because I I mean he those DBs on Alabama, those are always the best in the class, the best in the world. And he is just running past them like a 25-year-old man, a bunch of against a bunch of third graders like uh he's a freak and i i love 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 that he's coming out after his junior year season if he were coming out as a senior then i would really be worried but uh he's ready to roll man he's ready to roll um treylon is very polarizing for me uh i feel like the reason and, and it's okay when uh like people are allowed to admit that they're wrong about things. I, I think that's a great quality in myself that I am always upfront and honest when I'm wrong about something. I was extremely high on Traylon. And I think I was let down because he wasn't perfect. So at the combine, I was expecting him to run like four, three, nine, four, four. Everybody was saying, oh, he's running four high four threes, low four twos. He's going to have like a 40 vert, like, and he completely underperformed at the combine. And I think that was a big thing for me. He let me down there. And obviously, like I own no Traylon Burkstock at this time, haven't had a rookie draft. So he owes me nothing. You know, not that he would ever owe anybody anything in fantasy football, right? But that letdown is going to sit with me because he was supposed to be this insane prospect. And when I see other guys have better metrics than him, he doesn't have better metrics than Garrett Wilson. Uh, he doesn't have like measurables, non, not the, not the physical, but the measurables, the vertical, the uh, 40 time, the cone drill, his cone drill was terrible. I just, I, I can't get the JJ Ortega white side out of my head, but when you watch the tape, when you watch the tape, and I'm going to say this again, when you watch the tape, wait, what do you do? When you watch the tape, he looks incredible. Okay. So for now, he is my wide receiver for because everybody else has everything I'm looking for. It's more of a gamble with Traylon. I'd rather take the safer option. I'm a, I'm a Nixie and I were talking about this this week, super producer Nixie and I, I'm a guaranteed value guy in dynasty football. You're allowed to swing for the fence and there's always next year. Don't get me wrong, but I want to be competing every year. I don't want to throw away a top four pick. I, I totally agree with you. And speaking of swinging for the fences, Traylon played for the Arkansas baseball team in his free time. So uh, athletically, athlete, my man, athlete is, check. And I also, I don't know if we said it. He's six three two twenty five. Uh, I mean, if you really haven't looked at this guy, please take a look. Like I'm just begging you. Um, yeah, I just with Traylon, he does. I will tell you this: my biggest fear right now. I have not set it up to this moment. My biggest fear is uh, relating back to Fade Chase last year. He was the consensus number one overall dynasty pick. And I said, Fade that man. Now, here I am. Traylon Burks is the surefire surefire 101. I am petrified that this dude is going to turn into J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Or even worse. So that's where I'm at right now. I will put that out there. I am scared of what I'm saying right now. But I'm putting my feet into the ground. Traylon is my man. I can't uh, wait for this train again. You know, we, we put your plan. <laughs> is this your seal of approval? Are you are you putting your royal like uh, oh, your like wax paper? 
Yeah, I, I, I do. You're putting I, your seal yeah. on it? I also feel like maybe this is a little bit of testament from a higher power, the fantasy football gods, telling me, yo, dig your feet in and take your stance on this guy. You've had it for so long. I will. I'll put my stamp on it. Traylon Burks will oh. hit. He will be a, let's see, he will be a top 12 wide receiver by year three. Nick C, In- write it down. Super producer Nick C is on the case. Believe me, yep. nobody's allowed to make decrees like that in here without uh without yeah, no, an actual year three. Traylon Burks, or I'll change it. Traylon Burks will have a top five season in the next five years. Oh, threw it out there. There we in go. The next, in the next five years, he'll be out of the league. No, I don't think that, Max. I still. Yo, they th- could, I want so people big, to they know. They could shove him on the line. They'd be like, "Yo, yeah. get your big athletic ass on the line." We've talked about Traylon uh, for too long here, but I, I do right. want to say I, I'm not against him. I think he will be a great receiver in the league, and you know he will finish top 24 seasons and he's great, but I don't think that he has, he has the, the frame and the potential to finish that high, but I just like the other guys a little bit more. And, and yeah. the, I don't want people to think that I'm hating on him. No, I, I, I don't perceive it as hating either as the trail on truther here. Trail on truther. I'm the trail on truth or double T baby. Uh, but no, I, I think I do think London and Wilson are both safer prospects at this point. Like if you want to look at it as which ones are the guarantees, you could totally convince me of those two, but me personally, I'm also looking at through kind of a rebuilder team, like in our Mike Rabel team where I would really enjoy him on my squad. Um, I do think he's the one guy in this class, maybe London, that could actually give you a top five season. Just if he, if, if everything goes right, the top five, the touchdowns, everything could be there. Whereas Wilson, London, I see them more as like back in top 10 guys, if everything goes right. All right. Moving on. We have Mr. Jamison Williams from the university of Alabama. Six one one seventy nine. did not run the 40 yard dash due to his ACL tear in the national championship game. Um, he is my consensus. He is our consensus. Number four. He's my number three. Jace is number four and Max is number three as well. I, f- I feel like he's, he would have been the number one receiver off the board if the injury didn't happen. Uh, he's technically the start of our second tier. I would have him in the first tier. Um, I, I really think he is that surefire and I'm going to plant my flag on Mr. Jamison Williams. If you love CeeDee Lamb out of college and thought that he was great, I'll, I'll one-up you, okay? CeeDee Lamb finished his 2019 campaign with 62 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 14 touchdowns, which is like, whoa, that's insane, right? Jamison Williams, in the same amount of games, one sorry, one additional game, 79 receptions, almost 1,600 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Bang. That's all I need to say. If And he is going to slide. He is going to slide. He might even slide to the second round from the latest Daniel Jeremiah mock draft that I've seen, that he falls out of the first round. So a good team will get him. Mm-hmm. A top-tier offense will most likely get him. So if you have a draft board before – 
the NFL draft, go out and get them. Like, use that number six overall pick on them. I don't care. Yeah, my my thing with Jameson Williams is, you know, there are two Ohio State wide receivers in this class, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and Jameson Williams, his first two years in college, could not come across and beat any of those guys out, had to transfer to Alabama, where he did put up that giant uh, 1,572-yard season and 15 touchdowns. Like, that's freakish. The biggest thing that I worry for with him is that an NFL offense is going to see him as just a field stretcher, just a burner. I want to see, I, I want to feel like he can be a possession receiver with speed rather than just a deep ball guy. Um, for me, I, I, I think he's in the second tier. I just think the speed I do believe is his greatest trait. I don't know how great the route running is. I don't know how great the hands actually are. It's a very prolific season, but uh, a very prolific junior season, which is definitely what we want to see. We don't want to see guys coming out as seniors, but I don't know. To me, I think it's going to depend on landing spot and role because if he becomes just a deep ball guy, like I really, I, I could see the the next John Ross coming our way. Like I, I could see the bus path for him. So that's just something I'm worried about with him. I think they, uh, he needs to find the right team that's going to utilize all of his abilities rather than just the one that he highlighted all throughout college. Max, any additional comment on Jameson? No, I, I'm I'm going to take him at 106. Like I said, I really believe in the talent. And when you read those stats, I didn't even know that those were his stats of uh, his junior year. So, I when I watched his ACL injury and he got hurt, I was I was very disappointed. But I, I hope that he slips a little bit and he can get snagged up by like I mean, imagine him in like the KC. Packers, the Kansas City. Like it'd be crazy. All right, moving forward. Uh, we have two more, and these last two guys we're going to zoom through a little bit so we can get to Max's trade corner. Uh, new segment for us: Chris Olave, six foot one eighty seven, uh, basically Garrett Wilson Jr. He ran a point oh one seconds slower forty yard time. Uh, he is my wide receiver six, Jace's wide receiver five, and Max's wide receiver four. I, I love my Ohio State boys. I, I'm not a big Ohio State fan, but I, I believe that they produce very, very good wide receiver talents from Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Michael Thomas. Um, I believe in that wide receiver room and their coaches. Um, I'm more of a fan of Smith than Jubu, whatever his name is, um, personally, coming out next year. But Olave, to me, he's very, very good, and he's very similar to Garrett Wilson. So I, I – I I would I I think I have him ranked them higher than Traylon, don't I? You do. Yeah. I just feel like he's safer. I think that's just it's a safe bet. And when I'm taking one of these guys on an early like to me, he's like a Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle type guy last year, you know, like on the edge there. Like five, six. Five, six, seven. Yeah. Per- personally, I think having him ahead of Traylon is an absolute crime. Uh Chris Olave, just want to read his stats. He's coming out as a senior. You don't want to see that freshman year, 197 yards, sophomore year, 840, third year, junior season, 729 yards in his senior season, 936 yards. My mm. man couldn't get above a thousand yards, got outproduced by Garrett Wilson, got outproduced by a freshman and uh, Mr. Najigba. I, uh, I don't know. Chris Olave, I think at the end of the day, he'll probably end up being a fantasy option. But for me, thinking about slotting him on my roster, I don't see him much more as a low end wide receiver to flex weekly upside flex uh, moving forward. I just 
I think he's solid, but I just, I think he's like Tyler Boyd with speed. I just, I don't think he's got like that it factor that is just gonna, he, I don't think he's going to win you any weeks in fantasy necessarily. So for me, he's a a jack of all trades. He does everything good. Yeah. Nothing, nothing exceptional. Exactly. So I think for me, I have him as ranked as high as I do just because I think consensus kind of has him that high. And if I end up with him in my draft at I'm at the one Oh seven, I were to end up with him. I would be looking off to move off of him in a heartbeat. I do. I, I like the prospect, but I think at the end of the day, we were taking Elijah Moore in the second round last year. I think Elijah Moore is head and shoulders above the ability of Chris Olave. So does Elijah um, Moore go as the first wide receiver in this draft class? Um, I think he does. I would, t- I would take him two behind Burks just because of that wide receiver one overall uh, ability for Burks, but I would take Elijah Moore over Garrett Wilson for sure. And that's a guy I absolutely love. So uh, yeah, Chris Olave, I am not the highest on. I think looking back in a couple of years, we'll be like, yeah, we should have taken him in the second round. All right. And last but not least, our number six consensus wide receiver. Uh, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast, so we're not going to go over it too much. Uh, Christian Watson, North Dakota State University, six foot four, 208, and ran a 436 40 yard dash Ooh. time. He's a freak athlete. He will be a first-round draft selection this year. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that. I don't think he slips to the second round. First round of the NFL draft? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. He's I, perfect I, for Green Bay. Perfect. Oh, my God. He's literally oh perfect God. for Green Bay. That would be – And they have two picks. Perfect marriage. Yo, same, same uh, college team, same colors as Green Bay. He, he's literally like a prototype Devontae Adams. How Actually, high would he go if he went to Green Bay? He would probably be third overall if he goes yeah. to Green Bay. Yeah, that just because probably one of Burks, Wilson, or London will end up on the Eagles, and none of us will want any of that. So, yeah, probably top four. But I, I'm going to cut in right here. We've said it before. Cooper Cup is from uh, Eastern Washington for Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Fresno State. Where did Mike Evans go to school? Does anyone remember that? He and, went to Texas A&M. All right, pretty, and pretty then, good school. But I, what's his name? Stephon Diggs. Didn't he, he went to Maryland? Not saying that Maryland's a small program, but smaller Maryland. compared to the powerhouses. Yep, Maryland. So, you know, Maryland, all these schools we're talking about, a bunch of, I mean, they're D1 schools, but are they really D1 schools? Uh, you know, I played at the University of Evansville, played baseball there. We were technically D1, but we got our asses handed to us by a couple D2s. You know, once you're out of the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC, it doesn't really matter at that point. I think whoever gets Christian Watson, if they get him on a discount, if he were to fall into the second round, is getting an absolute steal. Like, when I watch this dude, he is an absolute freak. And, um, yeah, I, I really believe in him. I, you know, he could totally Nike heel Harry us, but – all of the measurables are there. The production was there in college. I just think get him the rock. In NFL, get him the rock. He's just a freak. So that might feel a little high just because of where he came from. But at the end of the day, some of the best wide receivers in football have come from nobody schools. Um, so I think he's just one of the, another guy in that trend. So I honestly, if he weren't from one of those schools and we're at a bigger school, I'd easily take him over Jameson Williams or Chris Olave. Just that profile, that big, fast, athletic guy. 
that is that's a tough profile to pass up so um yeah rookie drafts <laughs> sleeper um adp does not have it updated i've been getting him at like 211 212 in my mock drafts that will not happen he will be right there behind these guys we're talking about in the first round for sure so if you're preparing to get him in the second don't you're gonna have to trade up and get him that's going to wrap us up here on our wide receiver rankings for rookies, pre-draft rookies. We will do it again post-draft so that you are able to walk into draft season completely and utterly confident. Look up for an episode this upcoming Saturday. We are going to be doing a sleepers wide receiver, some more well-known names, some kind of like third round back end round guys that we really think can elevate your teams uh, moving in to the off season. And without further ado, we have the debut of our newest segment, Max's Trade Corner. You know, the name gets changed up here and there. Um, I, I really, when you guys brought this idea to me, I was really excited. And I've been thinking about it all day, you know, what I want to talk about. But uh, class is officially in session. You could ring the bell, Nixie. And uh, it's, kind of a, it's a kind of a sad day for me because I have to kind of give away some of my secrets behind the madness. Um, and now you know why we wanted the segment. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand. <laughs> um, but again, I'm, I'm a man of the people. And today I'm just going to do, I'm not going to get into the trades today. I'm going to do just like the basic 101 of like what I value as importance. And you can take this however you want. I found it working for me pretty well. Um, I'm also a salesman. I sell tickets, whatever you want to call it. And these strategies, I le- I've learned a couple of these um, throughout my sales like experience here in the first couple of months. And I've really just been implementing them in fantasy for even a longer amount of time, but I've brought them into the sales world and into the professional world. Um, and the first one is urgency. Um, you really have to create a sense of urgency for these deals. Time kills deals, whether it's in the real world, whether it's in fantasy. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've come to Nixie and I'm like, hey, Nixie, let's do this trade, whatever. He's like, give me the night to think about it. The answer is always no. Like he's going to think about it. He's going to think about all these ways to psych himself out. So what you want to do, what I do is I say, hey, what can I throw in right now to get it done? You know, I don't come to Nixie with my best offer saying, hey, Nixie, I'm going to offer you player X, Y, and Z. And that's the highest I'm going to go. And then Nixie is like, well, I want player X, Y, Z, and A. Oh, sorry, Nixie, I'm not going that. Like you can't start with your best offer. And I don't like to make the first offer. Um, Oh, oh, I know. Oh, do I know. That's another thing. I think most of the league knows that. Kev, Kev K, if you're still listening, um, I respect you because you make the first offer a lot. And when you make the first offer to me, I'm more willing to work with you. Um, if, I, if I make the first offer to you, it's going to be a terrible first offer. Like I'm going to throw out like something really bad. And, you know, you throw enough shit up at the wall, some of it's going to stick. And it's like, hey, you know, but like to me, it's just, it's creating urgency. And it's not like, Peter tries to create urgency in his trades when he's like, Hey, I'm going to pull this trade at midnight. Like that to me is not really urgency to me. Like creating urgency is like, Hey, like totally understand. You have to think about it. I also like have, let's just say DK Metcalf out there in a couple of the trades with another people. Um, but do you actually They call my, bluff. Oh. call my bluff. So then it's like you, you little white lies here and there, but it's like, Hey, I have DK Metcalf out there and some trades with other people. Um, totally understand you have to think about it, but I can't guarantee that he'll be there after when we, when we make the trade. And it makes that person like, oh, shoot, like I'm not crazy. I, other people want DK Metcalf. There's a market for him and they make it want to go through even more. Um, so urgency is something that I found. 
Any questions on that class? Yeah, yeah. This isn't really much of a question, but I, I mean, kind of, I want to get your thoughts on it, but it kind of goes along with what you're saying. A way to cre create urgency is to kind of like, you know, throw around those second round picks at the end. Would a second rounder make the difference? Would this depth piece, Curtis Samuel, would he make a difference? Um, this goes back to an episode I heard from the fantasy footballers a long time ago. Uh, Mike Wright, I believe this is his tip. Don't be scared to throw in that little bit extra. If it's a second round pick or, you know, kind of a, you know, a, pay, a player closer to the outskirts than say like the top 15 or something like that. Don't be scared away by like what that second round pick could be or, you know, what Curtis Samuel could be. If they're depth pieces, if they're depth picks, to me, just throw those things in to get the deal done. Because at the end of the day, how likely is that that, that pick turns into Elijah Moore, per se, who's like the best second round pick we've seen in quite some time? You know, how often does that actually happen? So for me, create some urgency by throwing in just that little bit extra, even though if it looks like an overpay, even if you're paying six seconds instead of four or something like that just pay it because at the end of the day if you get your guy and it works out no one will ever come down on you for uh you know that being a bad trade um you know one of the biggest cliches from mr rich dodson from the dynasty nerds an overpay today won't necessarily be an overpay tomorrow so that's kind of one of my things that you know your conversation sparked me but uh, i would definitely like to get your perspective on it as well mr trade master godfather max yeah, I mean, I think that it's like kind of like a two-step process for me. Like you want to create the urgency, like, hey, listen, I got DK Metcalf out there in another deal. Um, if you were to do the deal right now, I'd be willing to I'd cancel all the other trades and I throw in a second rounder, something like that. So like kind of like putting the two two together. Um, yeah. that, that's what I would like to do with that. Um, Peter, did you remember your question? Uh, I do. For We probably ended up cutting it out, but I, in typical high school fashion, I completely blanked on the question I was about to ask in the middle of class. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask, if you're on the opposite side of the urgency, and this obviously, like you could draw a parallel that I'm asking how to deal with you. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I have my own style of urgency. You have your own. If you're on that opposite side of the deal, how do you sense the difference between urgency and somebody trying to get a deal done with you and trying question. to force your hand? It's a great question. And it brings me to um, my actually some, my second point um, that I wanted to talk about today, which is like creating rapport. Um, I think it's very important to know your league mates in and out. Like Peter, we all know you love the Jets. Jace, we know you love Terry McLaurin. We know you love Kyle Pitts, DJ Moore, those guys that are on your team. Off, but the, you top of the, off the top, Max can... Max knows everybody's wants and interests. I know. That I could so name bad. all your guys' teams from top to bottom right now. Um, <laughs> but you want to be able to create rapport with the people in your league. Like you want to know what they need, what they're looking for. You want to have a really breakdown of their roster. So like Peter, you asked about like urgency on the other side. Like how do you know if they're just full of garbage or if like they're actually creating urgency? Like if you know that, like if you know that league person, like if you're like dealing with like, Billy Bob Joe and Billy Bob Joe doesn't really trade that much. And he's like, yeah, listen, I got this guy out there a couple of times. I'm just trying to get him off my team. Billy Bob Joe's creating urgency and he doesn't even know it. But if you're dealing with like me, who's like, yeah, you know, I got DK out there. Like you should know right off the bat, I'm not shopping DK yet alone to multiple teams, yet alone to anybody, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like knowing which team likes, which players for me personally. Um, and I think it just comes down to building rapport and you want to like, you don't want to go into trade talks and be like, Hey, like, Peter, this is like something that I've learned from you. Actually, it's like, hey, 
let me get Dawson Knox. Like Dawson Knox isn't just like a trade piece that you want to go get. You want to just say, hey, throw on Dawson Knox, we can get the trade done, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, I like you have to know your league mates, you have to build rapport, and you can't just be using them to get a trade. You got to think about and we're going to wrap up really quick. Um, but I like to think about it as like credit card minimums, you know, like when you walk into like Seven Eleven, it's like, Oh, like minimum $10 charge. So like if I walk in and ask for Dawson Knox, they're going to charge me $10 for it. <laughs> right. 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 Like, so why not just get $10 worth of stuff and Dawson Knox? Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So. And, yeah. I want to piggyback off of Max. One thing, uh, if you're in a league with a bunch of different people that you don't necessarily know, get a hold of their phone numbers or their email. Yes, yes, or, yes. Or, or see if you can get in conversation with them on Sleeper or whatever fantasy platform you're using because sending over blind trade offers, you are never going to get a deal done unless you just straight up fat overpay and even you know you overpaid. You don't even like the deal anymore. Get a hold of the people's numbers. Get into text conversations with people. Shoot, I feel like it's removed at this point because we're all so used to texting and Zooming and everything. Get on a phone call with someone and talk it out. Like, uh, make it a personable experience. Don't just make it, you know, something on the fantasy app. Sell the players. The sell the players, but also sell yourself. No, Absolutely. You were, yeah. Real quick, you want people buy from people that they like. Like, there's sometimes oh. I'm not gonna lie, I get railed in trades, but it's just it's kind of part of the process to me. You know, like. There's people that I go to, like, I'm not going to name names. You guys can probably name them in our league. You go to them, you know, you're not going to get a deal done with them. That's like, it's like yep. near damn impossible, but you guys got people like me or Kev K who you kind of get deals done with and deals get done because yep. you have to be open-minded and you have to be like, there's sometimes where it's like, Hey, like, listen, I overpaid for Jalen Waddle, hundred percent to the point with Peter, but there's also times where it's like, Peter saw that I overpaid with him and now he's going to come back and want to deal again. So it's like, it's that rapport. It's like it's, comping, comping people for a casino. Yeah. You let the gamblers back in. So, you know, one day they walk out a winner. 99% yeah, of the time in. they walk out a loser. A hundred percent, Peter. A hundred percent. And that's, that's, that's another thing. I mean, that's for, that's going to be for next week's lesson, but you can't just be like expecting to go from like Miles Sanders to Jonathan Taylor. Like you have to slowly small build and whether it's like, you get a pick and then you sell Tyree kill on the right window and you get more picks and then you like sell those, like keep smallly building as, as you go. So to me, the biggest takeaways from today are rapport and urgency, urgency, find a way to create your own urgency because it will really make a difference in deals. And if you guys start coming to me and like creating urgency, I'm gonna be like, shit, like let's do this. We would like to thank professor Max, Max's fantasy trade corner, Max's trade corner for coming in and being a guest speaker today. He'll be live every single week uh, moving forward for the foreseeable future. So long as the people out there enjoy the trade segment. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, and talking theory is incredibly important in the off season. So I'm really, really, really excited that we started doing this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you are. I mean, you get to learn all my ins and outs, so it's, it's going to be really <laughs> great. And Max, if you think I would ever use that against you, Oh, absolutely, Peter. I know you just you you love to get railed in trade, so you'll never use that against me. Exactly. Keyshawn Vaughn. I have Keyshawn Vaughn in like five deals tonight, Max. I think I need a first. <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it, also, it comes with an exception, you know, like it has to be within reason. 
All right. That's going to do it for our episode. We Again, we wanted to thank today's sponsor, SeatGeek. Use code DYNASTYPOD, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y-P-O-D, to get $20 off your first order. Again, thanks again. Brand new partner, SeatGeek. Wanted to thank super producer Nick C. Uh, new announcement. He's going to be staying with us full time after his internship is over. So you guys get more of the best super producer the dynasty sphere has to offer in Nixie and his incredible Twitter account that he holds for us. Uh, wanted to thank everybody out there who likes and follows us on Twitter at dynasty monarchy on Twitter, go to the podcast page, Apple podcast, Spotify pod type in dynasty monarchy podcast. You can find us there. And one special shout out, happy 80th birthday, Alfred from New Jersey. Alfred's oh, no. 80th birthday is going to be on April 1st. The, the jokester himself. Shout out to uh, shout out Alfred, adamant listener to the podcast. Shout out Alfred, man. I miss Alfred. Happy birthday, Alfred. Happy birthday to Alfred. I've never met Alfred. Don't know Good much guy. about Alfred. Big listener. 80 years. Hey, that is that's a long time on this planet. Congratulations. Let, let's see him 100. Let's see 20 more years. Let's go. Loves baseball. Loves Cleveland. Oh, let's go. This is Loves Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Let's go. Let's go. Huge Washington Commanders fan. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And you'll be able to see us this Saturday on our Sleeper Rookie episode. And next week, a little teaser for next week, we're going to be doing rookie running backs and tight ends. All right. Peace out, everyone. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens.